Good morning. It is Sunday morning. Sitting here drinking my coffee. Thought I'd turn the microphone on. We got a fallen angel. I haven't heard from Angel um, since yesterday. He overslept on yesterday's uh, meeting. Uh, even though he is not the official co-host, we have been planning the podcast together. And um, planning a podcast together. Because we have good conversations together. And I enjoy Angel's company. And so yesterday he overslept. So I sent him a bunch of pictures of the... Uh, the new additions and uh, told them if you know if you wanted to come to come and just check out the stuff hang out a little bit even though we didn't have time to record because we only have the time until my wife leaves then I gotta go be a dad and I can't be down here so um, he never he never texted me back so we're here solo I'm gonna do a solo one I got I got Dave Namery coming later on tonight so he'll be another episode but I had a thought, and I was like, oh, it'd be interesting. There's two things I wanted to talk about, because the UFC was last night, and that was pretty dope, too, but I'll get to that. Because there was another thought, was when I thought of the starting the podcast and talking about Angel, I also wanted to mention that I'm not angry at Angel, right? Because there was a, uh, my first thought was just, I don't know what's going on with him. And why he didn't respond. You know what I mean? You don't know what goes on in somebody's life. So there's no reason for me to play out a story in my head that would cause a problem. Like now if I talked to Angel and he was like, oh, my bad, I didn't text you. I was just playing a game. I don't know. Or just like I didn't feel like doing it or something. I don't know. There would be really, there's not really anything that there is to be upset about. But what I wanted to talk about was how I started thinking like that. Because I think a lot of people create stories in their head in conversations or when there isn't conversations, just when you're thinking about someone, we play out these stories in our head and then we bring the emotions we have from this imaginary story into the actual, you know, interaction with a person the next time you see them. Now, the next time you see them, that person doesn't know why you have this extra emotion that you might have from an imaginary conversation. I don't know if if you can, you should be able to relate to this, goddammit. I went to a seminar for this. <laughs> it was called the Landmark Forum, all right? This is, uh, some people think it's a cult. I think Joe Rogan even talked about it on his podcast once, and this was after I did it. I did this back in, I want to say 2007, maybe? 2000 yeah around 2007 2008 I was uh I was just getting out of uh the last relation the last serious relationship I didn't have any other relationships but the last relationship it was a serious relationship before I got married this was one that I thought was gonna be the one that I married right this was the plan in my head so when it went all when it all went south I really collapsed because I was at like the height of my emotional insecurity. Now I was already, um, I was already four years in three, like, yeah, three to four years in to, in my, um, my sentence from 
you know, from from a drug court. So I was in AA and I was fully committed and I was going to meetings and I was um, being I was a sponsor. I had sponsees. I was doing speaking commitments. I was um, going all out, not because it was mandated by court, because there was only a certain amount. Or I only had to go to three meetings. I didn't need to do everything else. But I had already committed myself once I had started the initial program my sentence I was committed myself to the program and um, it helped me right so I was three years into that but I was still like an emotional like I was just really insecure and I thought everything else like I just didn't think I was good enough for anything in my head right this was something I just had in my head so I would always play these stories out in my head that always had me losing or had me um, getting played and had my, like my emotional, um, everything was like, I was emotionally paranoid and I would, um, you know, my paranoias ended up being true, but I think I manifested them. Um, I think I created that and, you know, because I, wrote that story so many times in my head and I kept playing it out in my behaviors that it, I think I manifested it to happen. And, um, so once it did, my whole like world collapsed and I was really, really like upset. And, um, I got into working out, uh, started doing steroids, um, that whole night. Like I went down that whole path and, uh, and it led me to the landmark just because one of the guys that brought me through the 12 steps, um, he used to have this like um, weekly, weekly meeting at his house. And like it was just a bunch of guys that got together. We went through the big book, ordered pizza, we ate and like we just talked, really had these crazy conversations about chapters of the big book. We went through it from the beginning to the end, did all the steps and um he had done this thing called the Landmark Forum, and it was like a weekend seminar. You drive to some place, exit 8A, off of the Turnpike here in New Jersey, and um, it was in some, you know, just a regular office building. And you go in, and you do it on a, you go on a Friday night for like orientation, and then, uh, and then you Saturday morning you start. You're, you're there all day long with a lunch break and two little breaks, but you're there eight hours, nine hours, I think maybe even, yeah, about eight, nine hours throughout the day. And then, uh, you know, and, and there you're just, same thing, just talks. And there, what we broke down were just these stories that we play out in our head and uh, the rackets that we create to back these stories up. And we create these false fronts based on these decisions we made when we were young in our minds because situations happen to us things happen to us in our lives like these pivotal moments happen to us in our lives and we made these decisions in our head and we didn't know we made these decisions but it was like an emotional and like a security that you make like uh like a, a defense you create this response based on this experience and then you play that response out forever that's going to always be your reaction so now you in order to have justify that reaction you have to create these stories so every time you assume something somebody says 
or some, you know, you're basically start creating all these stories and you start living outside of the actual truth and you're creating like this whole other world and, and it plays out and a lot of people do it and you see it in people that um, like, you know, they they make themselves the victims. They everything that plays out, it's always, you know, somebody else's fault. And and it just it just it was a really a really awesome experience. And I did it. I got my wife to do it. My sister-in-law did it. My brother did it. Um, and then I know a bunch of other people that did it. I know some people that did it and thought it was stupid, too. You know, like, you know, it's everybody has a different experience. But I never saw it as like a cult. They definitely go hard in the paint to recruit you to volunteer and to work there and to help spread that message. They're like Christian evangelicals. Like they will once you sign up, that's like the one that was the one annoying part. My brother had the same experience where he had to be like, Yo, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. All right, stop fucking calling me. All right. I'm fucking tired of you fucking calling me. I don't want to be a fucking. I don't want to be in here. That's how my brother talks. I don't want to. I don't want to. Hey, shut the fuck up. Didn't you hear mommy? I'm fucking reliving old childhood traumas, but. Ah. Uh, I do the same thing with my daughter so she knows I ain't fucking playing. All right? I get that voice real low and be like, put that fucking shit off the ground. No, I do that a lot. Um, so what was I saying? Yeah, so the landmark. So they, I'm trying to think of that one thing they, they talked about that was, that I remember about, um, oh, so about what happened. Oh, man, there's like when you have an interaction with someone, there's what no, it's, I'm definitely butchering. I don't remember this stuff. I have to, I just thought of it this morning and I was like, I'm going to talk about this and not be able to remember like the lessons and the actual thing. Like I remember two things, like this creating stories, the rackets, creating rackets. They described it like back in the day when you used to have speakeasies and you would have these storefronts and you would create this storefront and this is what your show and this is what you think. Even your, even like this, the rackets get so deep, they even have you fooled. Like sometimes you forget that you create these rackets and then you think it's the storefront too. And you don't even know that there's a speakeasy in the bottom creating all this other bullshit. Um, so that was like one of the one of the explanations. But there was some the things, you know, right. There's the things, you know, about yourself. There's the things that and then there's like the things that you don't know about yourself. And then there's the things that you don't know that you don't know. Right. Because if there's things that you know that you don't know, like you don't know trigonometry, you know that you don't know trigonometry, but you know that. But you don't know that you snore like I don't know. I don't know. How, I forgot. how to. I knew I was going to butcher it. But like there's other things that you don't know that there's just things that you don't know that you don't know. Right. Because then there's going to be things in trigonometry that you don't even know that you don't know. Or there's going to be things in your own character that you don't even know that you don't know. Things that you that live outside the, that realm. Right. Like the, I don't know why Angel didn't respond. So I'm not going to create a story about it. I'm just going to leave it as what is actually what do I know? What I really know is that Angel didn't text me back. That's it. And then I just don't assume anything else. And I know it's like a real simple example, but 
Some people create rackets so deep that it gets down to that basic level, that they're creating stories at every turn. And a lot of people do it to play the victim because they get off on, like, it makes people right. Like, it makes you right and other people wrong if you're the victim. So a lot of people play that out in their own heads, and they don't even know that they're doing it. That's the, the, the they don't know that they don't know, you know, so you kind of have to, when you go through that program, they really do have these exercises they bring you through to jog your memory, and you really go back. So for example, um, like I, when I was little, like this is, this is one, like one of the basic ones I had, um, when I was little, I I had moved to Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey, and when I had moved there in that year, like boss jeans with the um, with the belts, the braided belts was like the the style, right? So my mom brought me school shopping. My mom is raising me since I was six years old by herself. All right, she has her job and the social security check for my father's work you know because my dad worked with my mom so she that's all she had to raise me and she did it by herself so she as opposed to, she could have bought me jordans she could have bought me all that stuff and we could have lived in the fucking hood or she could have clamped down on everything including her our own shit and lived and brought us somewhere like Hasbrook Heights to live and we live with the bare essentials right I don't know that I'm fucking <laughs> uh, 11 years old you know right 12 years old and I ask to go when we go school shopping and we're at Sears all right in Hackensack New Jersey when we're at Sears I don't know what they fucking carry I, again I'm 12 years old I know nothing about clothes all I know is mom I want boss jeans She's like, well, you're getting whatever jeans they have here. <laughs> That's it. Which were Arizona jeans. Okay. Arizona jeans and boss jeans don't really match up. All right. But guess what? I know today is Arizona jeans are jeans. Right. So like I, that's what I do today. I go to get my jeans at Target, Walmart, like Amazon. But that's today because I don't care about that. I don't care about what it means to anyone else. I care about what it means to me in my pocket. But I didn't know that as a kid. So when my mom said no to me, I made a decision in my head that I'm not worth boss jeans. Like I made a decision in my head that I wasn't good enough. Now I'm going to go to school and get made fun of and be less than everybody else because I'm not worth it. I didn't know anything about finances. It wasn't that. I, my mind, I made a decision that my mom didn't, not that she didn't love me enough, but that I wasn't, like, our whole situation, like, me and my mom weren't worth boss jeans. Like, I had my first confrontation with poverty. Well, not poverty, you know what I mean? But just having less than everybody else. That made me feel like less than, and I made that decision that I'm less than, then that carried that shit and that decision in my mind, and I have used that with every approach after that. That's why I didn't, you know, do whatever, because I always figured I'm not worth it anyway. So that was like, 
oh man the landmark was a really really um great experience but what it did was just get me out of my own head it got me out of creating these stories in my own head and driving myself crazy like i would i was having the worst time i would cry in the shower every morning i was so miserable i was so miserable but i was like i was single i was jacked i was having the time of my life i lived in i lived in englewood cliffs Okay, for anybody that doesn't know New Jersey, Englewood Cliffs is like a really um, affluent town in New Jersey. All right, there's a lot of rich people that live in Englewood Cliffs. And I lived in a huge house with five other single young guys. And I was 25 years old, 24. You know, like I really was just in my mind, like so insecure, even with that like i had i had already had a really good job that was you know that uh, you know from where i come like having a good job with benefits and security like that's it like you're good shut up don't do anything else you're good don't mess it up stay there don't go anywhere don't even think about having dreams or anything like that you got that job with benefits you better lock it down right so um like I had the everything that anybody would think you would want to be happy and I wasn't happy. I had a car. You know what I mean? Like I had everything as a 24-year-old with no college education and a felony conviction fresh. Like I'm still serving. I'm still serving the freaking conviction and I had a job, you know? thanks to my wonderful aunt like i'll always be forever grateful for that like it's who you know too and and getting help right and you you get that help and you show gratitude by not messing that opportunity up that's all people that help you want if somebody does something for you they they should be doing it without any you know uh expectation of you paying it back you pay it back by taking that opportunity and making them proud of you and making sure that they're proud that they gave you that opportunity and not messing it up and you know being there for them too when they need it ah cup of coffee almost done it's getting cold um so uh landmark so after i did that i just um I, I I had like a feeling of like I had this weight lifted off of me. I I didn't have those conversations in my head no more, and I really was free to to become like anybody else than who I thought I was. I could really just manifest anything that I wanted, and. You know, I, I did. I started taking more chances. I then ended up leaving that job. Um, I started chasing money, which was stupid. And um, I, uh, I didn't chase happiness. I chased money and I chased status. Okay. So I chased more than money. I chased status because I thought money meant status. And um, I thought status meant something. And I went down the wrong path. Um, with the wrong people and um, it ended up you know 
backfiring on me big time. A lot of those people that I uh, I got in bed with went to jail. Uh, a lot of them got convicted of, you know, white collar crimes. Um, you know, we were just doing stupid shit for money and uh, and a lot of it, a lot of fast money. And uh, I had a come to Jesus moment with it and got out of it at the right time. And luckily I didn't, you know, face any repercussions and um oof, that was freaking yeah thank god i didn't face any repercussions for that i would have been stupid especially because um especially in my last role because i wasn't um even trying to sell anything i wasn't even getting sales money but anyway um i was getting sales money because sales money drove the whole damn ship uh But I wasn't, um, I wasn't ownership in the company, and I got a letter stating that I, you know, even though I had um, roles like that, I didn't, I didn't have any stake in it. So um, I don't even know how I got on this subject. I think I took the story too far. <laughs> Tried to speed it up to modern day. Um, yeah. But the whole point of it was just because I thought of uh, of Angel and, you know, I didn't mean to make Angel the scapegoat of it, but it was his behavior that brought us here. Fucking Angel. Two fucking days in a row. My goodness, bro. You don't want to talk to me, bro? You don't want to hang out with me in the morning? You know, have our morning coffee and conversation? Bullshit, bro. Um... Anyway, last night was UFC, and I did fall asleep. I uh, I was shoveled last night. I shoveled 30 houses last night. Not one of them was my own. Uh, my friend Clint asked me if I wanted to shovel snow, and I go to shovel snow, and I'm like, sure. And in my mind, I'm thinking like it's a uh, like a parking lot, like a, like a mall, you know, or something like that. And... It's not, it's like a residential area. It's like a, like townhouses, not townhouses, but almost like, like houses that are just next to each other, you know, just each unit. It was a set of like four steps, not even four. Yeah. Usually like four or five steps. And, um, no, not even, that's so exaggerated. It's usually like one or, you know, or two steps and, um, you know, and then like a square and then the walkway leading up from the driveway, which is usually just like five or six squares, nothing big. Um, it's not the, the, each house was very, very small. It's just so many of them and then walking around and then carrying this 50 pound bag of salt and, um, and then, you know, shoveling, you know, the driveways, shoveling at least three feet so that the plow can drag everything else out. And uh, there was a guy with the snowblower, so I had to carry the gas can, too. He had the snowblower and the, um, like a leaf blower. And, uh, you know, we were knocking them out. But, hey, I'm, my back is freaking killing me. I've, I have therapy tomorrow um, from an accident. And um, I just way overestimated, um, I way underestimated what it was going to be. So it crushed me. I couldn't even finish. I felt bad. I had to leave. Like uh, I was there for, for uh, four, four and a half hours. And um, 
I just was like, I can't do anymore. Once we finished like the one side and we had to go across the street and do another one of what we had just did, I was like, I can't do it. I couldn't do it. I mean, I, I, I could have probably bit my mouthpiece and toughened it out and, and um, Goggins did, you know what I'm saying? I could have done that, but then what it would have left me for the rest of the week and my goals and all the other shit I got to do. So I had to make a, a executive decision and, um, and back out. But um, what was the point of that? Oh, so last night was UFC. The point of that was that I got home for it right on time. I ate a nice plate of um, tortellini with vodka sauce and grilled chicken. Um, a nice plate. And that was my real only meal of the day. The only thing I ate, I broke my fast at about 2.30. And I had um, some beef jerky, a bag of beef jerky, those five ninety nine bags with like 12 grams of protein. I had that with Ritz crackers with like a half a pack of Ritz crackers. And um, and that was all I ate before I went to go shovel snow. And then um, I had... Uh, then I had that tortellini. Then I had some those little butter holiday cookies that they put out at ShopRite. Um, Pillsbury makes some. Those little circles with the hearts in them for Valentine's Day. My wife made those. Um, so I had like 20 of those. And um, I passed out. I passed out after the uh, the uh, the Pettis fight. The Pettis got choked out. Uh, that was a great fight. Both guys uh, really scrambled on the ground, man. That guy is uh, I, you know, I, I'm not an expert, guys. I'm not, you know, this is me being a fan since um, I started watching UFC Hardcore right after um, Forrest, uh, Forrest Griffin on that Ultimate Fighter 1 was when I really got into it. Uh, I had watched some of the earlier ones, you know, randomly, but I never was into watching it regularly until that Forrest Griffin first season, and I watched every single UFC pretty much after that um so i really been into it i watched the the progression of it the progression of the skill level the progression of all the um and i watched joe rogan so i'm really an expert at um jujitsu and the transitions on the ground and stuff so i'm very qualified to break down the fights i just don't have the memory um and of course i'm being sarcastic uh, i've just been watching it for a long time so stuff i like to talk about and i don't think Mr. Dave Namery is a uh, UFC guy. So I got to talk about Landmark and I get to talk about UFC. So sir, so so Pettis got choked out, but they were on a really good, um, they had a really good scramble. Like when people don't know what's going on on the ground and with the grappling and um, they, that's why people don't. Uh, find it interesting and find it entertaining and that's why people boo and uh, there's also sometimes people just lay there they don't know what they're doing or they're not trying to um, they're not trying to advance they're just trying to like hold you down that's very boring but those guys last night were scrambling all right the guy that choked out Pettis <clears throat> we'll call him the choker the choker he was really 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 skilled like hey hey is like really advanced level jujitsu so when he was on pettis you can see how good he is but you also see how good pettis is on his defense because he was really scrambling and not 
he wasn't just being, um, you know, passive. He was aggressively trying to get out of holds, aggressively trying to reverse, aggressively attacking, you know, um, however he could to get out. So it was a constant scramble. It was a constant um, threat. There was a constant threat, and that's what makes it really interesting. And um, watching that whole scramble, then him getting the choke, that was really awesome. Uh, and then I fell asleep. <clears throat> I fell asleep, and my wife uh, woke me up right as the McGregor fight started. So McGregor hype. I was very hyped for this fight. I had McGregor winning, but... I didn't know. I didn't predict it was going to be quick or anything like that. I didn't predict. Uh, I just thought he was going to. Um, I thought he was going to do what he did to. Um, uh, God, now I can't think of his name. When he won the lightweight, light heavyweight championship, he won it from. Oh, how dare I not know this man's name? Oh, it's just the pressure of the bright lights. These bright lights and these. Um, this camera there's no camera here this is just audio um anyway he when he won that fight he pieced him up he was just on him the whole time and i just thought that um that's what he was going to do to cerrone but cerrone is very dangerous the cowboy is very dangerous muay thai very dangerous on the ground so there was always a threat that if things weren't going well for him on on the on his feet that he could, in fact, take McGregor down and possibly choke him, right? So when um, when I when the fight started and I wake up out of this this slumber, and um, I start focusing on uh, McGregor's walkout because that's when she woke me up, and then McGregor gets in the ring and I see Cerrone just pacing and looking like a caged animal and i was like oh shit cerrone might come out here and fuck connor up that and my like my 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 heart and my everything started racing everything i love about watching fights starts happening i get that anxiety like um like if i really have something at stake i don't even bet on these fights so i can't even imagine what they go through and why pe you know i completely understand why people put money on fights and raise those stakes because they get numb to this high i guess or they like it to you know taking it to the other level but this feeling of anxiety of danger like something's gonna happen it's what really thrills me about the ufc and watching these kinds of fights um so when they uh when i see cerrone pacing like that i'm like oh man connor's in danger <laughs> connor's in danger like oh shit this guy looks like he's gonna fuck connor up like he's been you know for those of you that don't know back when connor was on his tear on his way to fighting eddie alvarez who was the lightweight champion when connor won both belts he was the um first person to win multiple titles in multiple weight classes at the same time in the ufc first guy to do it so he had the featherweight championship which was 145 pounds and then he went up to fight at 155 pound a bigger guy named eddie alvarez who was a came from another organization where he was the champion and he went f legendary fights and this guy 
in a lot of people's opinion, is a Hall of Famer and, um, you know, a seasoned guy. And he was the champ in the UFC. So he was like the first person, I think, to win, you know, win titles in both, uh, not Strike Force, um, Bellator. He was the Bellator champion and he came from Bellator. And uh, which is another organization like the UFC, but they don't have the class of fighters that the UFC has. Now they do. They have they're getting there, but it's still a big difference. Um, the UFC is the major leagues. That's the, the you know, the head honcho, the whatever. And uh, so this guy, Eddie Alvarez, comes over and he's the champ. And everybody thinks that Eddie Alvarez is going to smoke Connor because Eddie Alvarez is so good and he's so much bigger. And Connor's coming from this lightweight and everybody always you know, doubts Connor because he runs his mouth a lot. And then he goes in there and he puts on a, a display, a fireworks display and pieces this guy all up and, you know, and gets, you know, stops the fight, wins the title. But anyway, on the way up there and these press conferences, Conor McGregor's just embarrassing people at these press conferences because at these press conferences, they put all the fighters from the card, from the one pay-per-view card, from everybody that's fighting. You know, all the people that are fighting are on one side and the people that they're fighting on their on the other side of this platform. And they have like these press conferences and the press just ask them questions and everybody has a mic in front of them. And they have these energy drinks that the, the you know, that's sponsoring the fight, which I said last night when fucking poor cowboy was there fucked up. He's standing there all fucked up, holding an energy drink, holding a monster, like hold that, hold my monster, hold my monster after you get fucked up. You get knocked out, and then you got to stand there holding a fucking monster energy drink. What a fucking mockery. <laughs> anyway, um, but he got that check, though. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, so on the way up, Connor's lacing people in the press conferences. Connor's winning a lot of these fights in the press conferences. I think he beat out Eddie Alvarez in the press conference. And then um, he comes out. And um, one of these press conferences, Cowboy's behind him. And Cowboy says, you think you're going to come up to 155 and win a title, bro? You're going to get beat up, little man. Like, he told him he's going to get beat up. And Connor had responses to him. And Connor, you know, Connor, you know, does his thing and, and pieces up Cowboy in the press conference. Not as bad as he pieced up Jeremy Stevens. Jeremy Stevens in one of the press conferences is like, I'll knock you out. Blah, blah, blah. And then Connor was like, who the fuck is that guy? That's what Connor said. And fucking that became a t-shirt and a meme and all that other shit. That was like a KO at a press conference. If you ever want to see somebody get knocked out at a press conference, check that out. All right. That is one of those um, ones where you could really see uh, somebody get knocked out in a press conference with words. And um, so he tried to do that to Cowboy. It wasn't that. Um, but he did get under his skin. So I thought Cowboy was carrying that when I saw him on the, uh, in the cage pacing. And, um, yeah, the fight started. And... Uh, Con uh, Connor went into throw. He threw everything that ever happened to him. He threw what happened with Floyd, the frustration from Floyd, the frustration from Khabibi, the frustration from Diaz, like all this stuff that's been weighing on him, all the drinking, because apparently he's been drinking a lot before fights, uh, at least before the Khabib fight. And um, he all that frustration all the shit people have been talking to him all the shit that's been happening with the law he threw all of that shit at 
Cowboy and that first punch and he threw it and Cowboy ducked it and he ducked under that punch and grabbed Connor. He grabbed him for a clinch and then I was like, oh, he's in trouble. But no, um, Connor did something nobody expected, including especially Cowboy and he started smashing him in the face. He started getting low and then coming up with his shoulder really low he would drop his shoulder and he'd drop his whole body like if he was gonna change positions but then he would slam up and jam and ram that shoulder right into cowboy's face and he did it once and cowboy was like oh then he did it again and put that thing right directly into cowboy's nose and then that smashed up cowboy's nose he he looked like he broke cowboy's nose right in there like if he didn't break it it was like a good stiff shot to the nose that bloodied him and it and it made his eyes swell up and he hit him with another one to the eye that swollen like it made his you know it swole it swelled his eye and then he hit, hit him with four of them and that rocked him back and when he pulled back with it you he pulled back and i swear if you animated you could put the little stars the tweety birds around cowboy's head and it jolted him back and he was up and he couldn't see anything you know i don't know if you know a lot of you people probably haven't been punched in the face before and i've never been punched in the face but well no i've been punched in the face that's made my eyes water and then you can't see it and like it it, it kind of closes everything off if you've ever been really hit you see like something jolts in your brain and, and your vision kind of blurs and things get really really small almost like tunnel vision um well, he got hit harder than I've ever been hit. And um, you can see in his eyes, he was when I saw his eyes swell up like that and then a foot came up from Connor, kind of threw a head kick and caught him clean in the jaw. That sent him into space and Connor followed up and just kept hammering him. I think I, I don't think he took more abuse than he should have because I think the, the ref, Herb Dean, did a great job of um, giving Cowboy a chance to recover in, in a big moment. A lot of times we see some fights get stopped and we're like, oh, my God, I can't. You shouldn't have stopped it. This was a great stoppage. Um, Cowboy took a lot of um, uh, a lot of punches to the glove that was on his head, but those are still hitting his head. Especially as he was on his way down, Connor was winding up, holding him with one hand and winding up and bashing him right in the hand what that was covering his head. And he hit him, you know, some of those hit him directly in the head um, and he just dropped a lot of bombs on him and closed it out. Um, so good stoppage by by the ref. Uh, it was clear that Connor won. It was no no dispute. Um, there's no way, you know, that's why I think that the ref did an excellent job of, of giving Cowboy a chance to recover. Cowboy's a seasoned veteran, um, and sometimes some of those punches might wake you up. And, you you know, we've seen a lot of times where the fight ends and the guy's like up, like, oh, why'd you stop it? Like, no, this guy was out, he was beaten, and it was clear Connor got the win. An excellent uh, excellent showcase, man. He needed that. He needed that. The McGregor brand needed that. If he wouldn't, if he would have lost, you don't know. Um, you don't know what could it what could have been. Um, so uh, it's 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 great for the UFC. It's really, I mean, if Con, I mean, if Cowboy, obviously Cowboy's a UFC guy, went through and through. So the UFC 
I believe, wins either way. But they took a really big win with McGregor getting this kind of victory 40 seconds into the first round. A clear victory in a higher weight class. He's at 170 now, pursuing his third title. This would be an unprecedented third title in a different weight class. Um, so that would be really interesting to see. I don't think um, I don't think he fares well with the upper echelon of the division. But guess what? Connor's been doubted by everybody, including me. All right, including me. I didn't start not doubting Connor until. Um, until after Eddie Alvarez. Eddie Alvarez was the last time I doubted Connor. Um, after that, I was like, bro, this guy's... I, I thought, I, you know, like I said, I've been watching this for a long time. I listen to Joe Rogan. I'm half an expert. Um, so I know Eddie Alvarez was a very formidable opponent. And um, and he pieced him up, made him very look, made him look silly. And, um, and he did the... Uh, and shout out to Cowboy for, for really... Um, uh, accepting the the loss too afterwards he said i got my ass kicked real fast tonight he you know he, he hit me with some shit i never even seen before and when i pulled my head up he head kicked me when i couldn't see anything and you know it was a good night for him and i got my ass kicked quick <laughs> he was really uh really humble in victory and cowboy is a uh, like i said he's a ufc guy future hall of famer uh 100 one of the biggest biggest names in the UFC history um, one of my favorite fighters of all time and uh, an absolute legend uh, you know when you think of the cowboy you definitely think of that that gunslinger scene guy walking in hat low just ready to do business all right that's that's cowboy so you know he's he he's got a ton of respect and it just wasn't his night just got caught by some shit how this guy's been working on some shit don't touch him no more khabibi all right khabibi don't touch him no more don't try to grapple with him because he's going to hit you with every part of his body to get you off him he does not want to be choked anymore the guy's tired of being choked all right he doesn't want to get your hands on his neck anymore he's over it i don't blame him so it's a good strategy um, to 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 get people off a good defense, good takedown defense is to just start hitting them with the shoulder. All right, so we've seen it before. Guess who's done it before? John Jones. John Jones did it against um, what's his name? Uh, he's done it a few times. He gets people up against the cage and just start hitting them with the shoulder. I believe he did it to um, uh, Glover Teixeira after he dislocated his shoulder. And he did it to Rumble Johnson, I believe. Um, yeah, I've seen him do it a bunch of times. Uh, so, you know, that's different. Like, you've seen uh, Travis. Remember Travis? Um, oh, God, I can't think of his last name. Ronda Rousey's boyfriend, Travis Brown. Travis Brown um, had that takedown defense against, uh, was it Mark? Was it Mark Hunt? No, I don't think Mark Hunt was stopped uh, by that time. It was against a couple people. I think he did it against Stefan Struve, big, the big tower, Stefan Struve, where he was trying to take him down, and he started hammer fisting. against. The, he was about, His back was against the cage, and they were trying to take him down, and he was hammer fisting down on him. And that was, uh, that was pretty uh, uh, different. You know, he, I think he knocked him out that way. Uh, he knocked out like two people. He stopped two people in a row like that, hammer fisting them against the head. Um uh, and that was really interesting way to stop a takedown. So 
that's what you see. People innovate. Now you're going to be seeing a lot of people doing shoulder shoulder punches or shoulder hits. All right. That's how trends happen in the UFC. Somebody gets a victory, a cool victory that, you know, nobody expected. And then somebody else is going to try to do it. You're going to see people do copycat stuff. So, um, you know, and if it's going to work, do it. All right. You're in there in a fight for your life, basically. So anything goes within the rules. And those are all within the rules. Um, so that was it. That's my recap of the UFC. It was a dope Dope card. <laughs> Dope two fights I saw. Uh, I haven't checked out the other. I won't check out the other. I, I don't have time to go back and watch them, and uh, nobody cares about my recaps. So, um, but I'm I'm passionate about UFC. I, I, I love, um, like I said, I love the sport for that reason, for how it makes me feel, that, that drug you get um, from, from getting everything started, um, chasing those main events, those good fights. Then uh, Floyd Mayweather posted Conor McGregor 2 maybe next year, this year, or um, Khabib, him versus Khabib. So he's putting out something. He just has to be relevant. That's what that's what it is. He just captures. He knows how to capture attention. Good, good moves on Mayweather. Got to stay relevant so he can keep getting them checks. Um, that's it for, for me. This, that's it for the solo podcast. Anyway, uh, interesting talking about the, uh, the landmark forum and, uh, my experience with that. Um, if you have any questions or anything about it, uh, they, they have, if you go on, if you're interested in it, they have, uh, and I think it's definitely, I recommend it to everybody, uh, just because it, it gives you, it gives you a whole other perspective on, um, on life and it, and it shows you how to, um, eliminate some of the filters that you you've acquired throughout your life um through your perspective you acquire these filters that you set up and you don't even know you have them the filters have been there so long you think that's how the world really looks um so the landmarks the landmark just helps you identify those filters at least at least you see that they're there and it's your choice if you want to remove them or not i don't you know especially for people that are struggling emotionally um and you don't know why i recommend it 100 percent. they have free nights you can go there on a wednesday night and you have a conversation it's like two hours and they do a presentation for you and um you know you get to decide right there if you want to do it or not and you get a little taste of it i had an experience at the at that that um event that free one night event they do it's usually on like a wednesday night um, they are all over the, all over the, all over the world. They have them all over the world. And, um, you know, they have these coaches that do them. And, um, when you register, if you do the whole weekend, it's like four or 500 bucks. Um, so, um, I, mine got paid for by my friend and then I paid him back. Um, or I think he might've just did it out of the goodness of his heart because he got a discount or something like that. I don't know. But um, I was able to do it, and you know, other people I told to do it. Um, you know, it's worth it's worth the experience, especially if you're struggling with something. And um, you know, this isn't uh, sales or anything. This was just one of the things that I did in my life that was um very key to me becoming who I am today. Uh, and I still use a lot of those practices, and it helps me a lot. I don't know where I would be emotionally. Um, or if I would be able to be in the position I am and, and be in, um, uh, you know, all that stuff, if it wasn't for the perspective change. All right. So um, anyway, I don't want to ramble on. Um, just uh, 
sharing my experience. Um, that's it. That's all I got. Um, thank you for tuning in. Please follow me on all social media. And if you want, all right, it's Vic is funny, V-I-C-I-Z-F-U-N-N-Y, because some other person has uh, the IS that doesn't use the stupid account on Instagram and Twitter won't give it to me. <sighs> um, and Laugh It Up Tuesdays, every Tuesday at Nikki's Bar and Grill um, in Little Ferry, New Jersey, 9 p.m., food and drink specials, free parking, um, new lineup every week. We got uh, Chips Cooney's there every week. Sometimes he does magic. Sometimes uh, he does some illusions. Sometimes he tells jokes. Well, he tells jokes every week. Um, but sometimes he gets mad at you. Sometimes he loves you. Um, so you never know what you're going to get at Laugh It Up Tuesday. I'm hosting. It's a good time. And, um, yep, just going to keep pumping out these episodes. Uh, Dave Namer is going to be on the next episode if he shows up tonight. And um, hopefully we'll have some more guests. I have a list of guests that I want to have on, but I've asked no one. I don't have a schedule. I don't want to make commitments. I'm uh, I'm still a little bitch. Um, I don't know. Uh, that's all I got. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great day. I'm going to go be a parent now. All right. All right. Goodbye.
Mercedes, the mellow, quite a nice fellow. Met 3T, hit a rhyme acapella. They had the rhythm and I had the rhyme. So then I hit it that one more time. It worked out and then they worked it in. Tony, Tony, Tony has done it again. Yeah, we're coming back at you again. Big, big. I know about that. Feels real good to y'all out there. Y'all remember that talk from the old days? But we're gonna do it to you one more time. So we need everybody out there. I'm gonna jump on your mind. Seven, eight. Got a hookah, 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 got a hookah,